0: It would be astonishing to be open to it at any given time, and in particular, at Christmas. Well, Again, we want to welcome you here tonight, and let me just say one more time, we love it that you are here. We love new people at Hope. It is the reason that we exist, and we want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Let me ask you tonight, as you heard in the song that the band played, as you heard in the video, which is a little odd, which is a secular video, but I think speaks to this deeper longing and this deeper question that I want to start by asking you tonight. When's the last time that you were filled with wonder? When's the last time that you stood in awe of anything? That is the invitation of Christmas tonight, God wants to restore in you a sense of childlikeness, of childlike faith and awe and wonder of the beauty and the joy that surrounds us in this world. That is the invitation of Jesus to you tonight. But before we get into that, let me just say again a huge praise God and a thank you for... Uh, we have so many talented artists here at Hope Des Moines. One of the things that we've been blessed with, so we just give God praise for our worship team for leading us in worship again tonight. Absolutely. Praise God for them. We worship God in a lot of ways. Uh, Another one is through art. And so you'll see uh, over here to my left, to your right, is one of our local artists, Sarah Burrier, who uh, is uh, putting the finishing touches uh, tonight. Well, much more than that. But she's putting the finishing touches on actually what's been a collaborative painting with our entire creative team. We have a a creative team here at Hope Des Moines because there's a lot of artists in the downtown area. And so we have painters and sculptors and, and authors and designers and video game engineers. And we have a little bit of everything on that creative team. And they've been working on this painting throughout the last four weeks, the season of Advent leading up to Christmas. And so Sarah's going to be putting that together. And so before you leave tonight, you're going to want to go up there and look very closely because you have to get close to see Jesus. You have to get close to the painting to see Jesus and experience that. And so the, not only the band and Sarah helping us out from an artistic perspective, but we have so many volunteers that were out greeting you. I think I saw Santa out in the parking lot, actually. A lot of people uh, greeting you tonight, uh, making you coffee, welcoming you here uh, tonight. And so thankful for everybody in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, for making these services so full of awe and wonder, which was really the heart of that last song that you heard the band play. Just a simple song entitled, wonder. Music, art, and beauty, as you saw there in the video, they have a way of stirring our hearts. And I don't know about you, but as I watched those scenes flash before me of the beauty and the majesty of the world around us, something kind of sparked in me and made me question and ask myself, when's the last time I was in awe of anything? (laughs) Have I lost my joy? If we had a joy-o-meter tonight, how full is your bucket? How full is your uh, your joy-o-meter tonight? Is it overflowing or is it lacking a little bit? When's the last time you stood in wonder of anything? And the reason I ask you that question is because we're in the Christmas season. It is a season full of joy and beauty and wonder. So you're going to have to help me out here a little bit tonight. So I'm not, this is a two-way street, this sermon a little bit. So help me out. We sing songs this time of year and we sing walking in a winter winter. Wonderland, right? There's wonder in Wonderland. We sing the song later in the service. We're going to sing joy to the world. We also sing it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Except when it's not. At least that's what we're told. It's the most wonderful time of the year. For those of you that have young kids, as my wife and I do, you're reminded of this because maybe you're starting to see Christmas through the eyes of that childlike faith a little bit more, and you remember, and they remind you, Once upon a time, Christmas wasn't stressful because you just took it all in, right? Christmas wasn't full of to-do lists and shopping lists and parties to attend and stress and busyness. It was simply filled with wonder, I'm starting to learn this myself. My wife and I have two children ages four and two. Caleb is the boy and Evie is the girl and they're old enough now to really start experiencing things of the world and their senses are becoming aware of the world around them and we're getting to experience the world for the first time again through them, young parents, if you know what I mean, through that. The other night we were just being rock star parents. Their bedtime is about 7 o'clock and it was 9.30 or 10 or Eleven, or so. we were out uh, doing something as a family, and we come in in our rock star minivan that we're rocking these days, and we pull in, and there's stars outside. We, we see these a lot. You and I see these a lot, and we get out of the van, and Caleb, our four year old, goes, "Daddy, look!" And I go, "What could we possibly see? It's dark." He said, "Look in the sky," and I go, "Oh yeah, the stars are out tonight." And then Evie, our two year old, goes, "Daddy, daddy, stars." She's working on her S's, but stars. And almost in unison, they both looked up and together went, wow. Tiffany and I went, they're stars. And they went, wow. When's the last time you went, wow, at anything in your life? Let alone anything that the God of the universe has created in the palm of his hand. It's a wonderful time of year, and Christmas is a time for wonder and awe. We were putting up our Christmas tree because we remembered to do that a few weeks ago uh, in the midst of everything else, and we're not big uh, Christmas putter-upper, glitzy people at at our house, and so it took us a while to do that. We finally got the tree up, and then, you know, the you know National Lampoon's grand finale, joy to the world, you know, plug in the tree, and Tiffany go, look, the tree's on. And again, almost in unison, our kids are standing in front of it together going, wow, And then Caleb declares for all the world, now we can have Christmas. (laughs) I got really good news for you tonight. If you've lost your joy, you can get it back. In Luke 19, Jesus is speaking to some people that have lost, well, they've lost everything. They've lost all joy, they've lost all hope, and he says, the Son of Man, me, came to seek and save that which was lost. And if you've lost your joy and your wonder, and your awe in the sense of the world tonight, you can get it back. Christmas is a time of awe and wonder and joy at the very center of it, and yet that's really hard to believe after the year that we've had. Think about the past 12 months that we've experienced. I feel like every other week as a pastor in this community, I'm preaching on death. I'm preaching on disaster. I'm preaching on destruction. Earthquakes, hurricanes, shootings, uh, politics driving our country apart. Racism alive and well more than it ever has been. More scandals of sexual abuse and crime in the news. Not only that, but as the video said, those all things are out there. But what about in here? Life, adulthood as a way of stripping your joy. Of draining your joy bucket until you realize there's not a lot left. But it didn't start that way. The good news is that your joy bucket was full at the beginning. Does anybody remember growing up in Sunday school? It's not a Christmas song, but it should be. Help me out here again. I've got the joy, 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 joy. You are not convincing me whatsoever, right? People, it's Christmas. Let's try it again. I've got the joy, 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 joy. That's right. The upstairs carried you that time, right? looking at people saying down in my heart. Yeah, right, right? Down and then the song goes on, right? Down in my heart too. Save. And you're proving my point because for a lot of us it didn't. It didn't stay because life has a way of stripping our joy. You go to school for the very first time and you get picked on by a bully then you weren't aware that bullies existed in the world. You fail at a sport, you get hurt by a friend, you graduate and you don't get into the college that you wanted to and you don't get the job you wanted and then your parents say that they're not going to live together anymore and then somebody close to you dies and you continue to fall back into that addiction again and again and again. And for many of us, instead of being filled with wonder and color, our lives are stripped of wonder and certainly there's no time for joy because we're adults now. Yes, certainly there's glimpses of joy along the way. Some of you have experienced the joy of of bringing your first child into the world this year or of getting married or meeting that special someone or maybe you're really looking forward to, to, to summer break or taking that exotic vacation and for a week you get some joy back in your life but then you get back and it's right back into the grind and right back into the mundane and some of you are stuck in the middle of that right now and those moments, they come and they go and the joy doesn't last And yet, if we would slow down, and maybe tonight could be that time for some of you. When you're all alone, and you're laying there at night, and maybe the kids are in bed, and the house is quiet, and your mind is finally shut down, maybe, just maybe, for a lot of you, you've heard that still, small whisper calling out to you, the God that created you, calling out to you, saying, you know there's more than this. You know there's more to life than what you're experiencing. You know that there's more joy to be experienced, and your joy is empty. You know there's more to life than this. There's more than living cynical, and there's more than living jaded, which is just an exhausting way to live. There's more to life than just getting by and surviving, which is where some of you would say you're at tonight. There's way more to life than that. Because in the eyes of the world, if you look at that as sort of a picture of our hearts, we say, yes, joy is supposed to be in the middle, but after the year that we've had and after everything that life has thrown at me, that can't, our world would say, that can't coexist. If those things are going on, joy has to be stripped out and taken outside of the picture for that to exist. Joy has to be somewhere else. And that would be true tonight if I was preaching to you about happiness, but I'm not. I'm preaching to you about joy. I'm preaching to you about a deep down in the core kind of joy that is not dependent on the circumstances of your life and the roller coaster of life from a day-to-day basis. And that, my friends, tonight is the invitation of Jesus. That is the invitation of Christmas. You may have never seen this before. You've heard the gospel story read many, many times. For those of you, especially that grew up in the church, you've heard it a hundred times. Do you know that joy is at the very center of Christmas? Right in the middle? Of the, of, the, of the gospel that we read tonight. You remember the angels come and they appear to the shepherds, and right there in Luke chapter 2, reread it. Let's read this together nice and loud. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Three things I want you to remember tonight, and they're right there highlighted for you. Number one, repeat after me nice and loud. Everybody say good news. Good news. Everybody say great joy. great joy. Everybody say all people. Now you're getting the hang of it. Now you're awake. Now you're with me. Three things I want you to remember tonight above and beyond anything else, and you're not going to miss the heart of Christmas. Good news. Great joy for all people. So it would appear from this verse and what the angels are saying to the shepherds that if we want that joy, and I believe that our world, especially after the year that we've had, is desperate for joy, because when we don't have hope, we don't have joy, and our world is desperate for joy, and maybe some of you are tonight. How do you get that joy? Well, you got to know about this good news. The good news is what brings the great joy, and what is the good news? It's the next verse, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah the Lord. The good news that brings great joy this Christmas, wait, don't miss it, is not that, that, that the world offers you fleeting moments of happiness or that you're coming out of tonight saying, well, if I just smile a little bit more and think positive, it's the power of positive thinking. <laughs> it's the power of the gospel. It's the power of Jesus. It's the power of Christmas. Or or maybe that I could experience joy if I just kind of pretend that the darkness of the world doesn't exist and kind of live like a child and live naive. That's not what we're asking you to do either. Some of you are saying, well, I'll just, you know, the world's going to where you know where, and it's all falling apart, and so why even care and why even have joy in the midst of it? The good news is that we have received what we needed the most, a Savior. Not a politician or a pep talk, a savior, God himself. And whether you believe that tonight or not, underneath all of the things that we've mentioned, we have a different issue that underlines all the pain and the disaster and the darkness in our lives. And it can't be overcome by government, it can't be come by any law that's written into legislation, it can't even be overcome by technology, and it's called sin. Sin for all of us are living outside of God's design is what is the root cause of every murder and every act of terror and war and violence and abuse and assault and division and personal struggle or pain that you might find yourself in the middle of tonight. And on top of it, the bad news is that you and I are powerless, absolutely powerless, no matter how much money you have in the bank tonight, no matter where you live, no matter what your title or your position is, no matter how much power you have, you cannot overcome this On your own. The truth is, in 2017, more than ever, we need a Savior. We need rescuing, and that's why we need Christmas. On Christmas, He came in the form of a baby in a manger. Now, you may notice tonight that the manger is empty, and you guys are probably sitting out there going, hey, I've been to a few Christmas Eve services. You forgot something, right? Maybe you're thinking we forgot the most important part. No, the manger is empty tonight for a reason, because the danger is tonight that you'll leave Jesus in the manger, and you'll come once a year to a Christmas service and say, wow, what a cute baby, and I'm going to move on with my life. But I got really good news for you. Christmas, if you just experience it once a year and you don't keep coming back again and again, you're going to miss the rest of the story. Christmas is just the beginning of the story because that baby became a man who became our Savior. And he took all of that sin, all of that evil, all of that brokenness and terror and disaster and fear that the world has thrown at us in 2017 and every year before and every year to come for once and for all. And he was nailed to an old Roman cross and took with him all of that, was placed in a tomb, and three days later, ruined his own funeral and came walking out of his own grave so that you and I could experience life, now and forever. The manger is empty because the cross is empty because the grave is empty. And because of that, Jesus isn't there. He's here and he's right beside you tonight. Amen? Amen. Calling out to you. That is the good news of Christmas. That is the good news of great joy that the angels declared to the shepherds that night. Don't think this is the whole story. This is the launching pad. This is the beginning. You've got to come back and hear the rest of the story. There is a deeper joy and a deeper hope than the darkness of our world because we know how the story ends. Hear me say loud and clear tonight, death doesn't win because of what Jesus did. Death doesn't win, Jesus wins. And anything that this world has or could ever throw at us to try to steal that joy will not Last, now let me pause there for a second because some of you are thinking, well, that's a cute sermon, Pastor John. Thank you for that. And all this talk about joy is really good, but you have no idea what I'm going through right now. You have no idea what I'm experiencing. Some of you are sitting here tonight. Somebody came up to me last night and said, one of my best friends just got diagnosed with cancer. Somebody else came up to me and said, I'm right in the middle of a divorce. How dare you talk about joy on Christmas? What is this, some sort of like cheap Christmas message or something like that? Just put a smile on and be happy? Is it some sort of naive, cheap joy? Actually, it's quite the opposite. One of the great Lutheran thinkers and theologians and authors of all time is named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was actually a part of the resistance to Hitler's evil regime and was a part of helping take him down in some way. See, Lutheran pastors, superheroes. It's a pretty amazing thing. Bonhoeffer once penned these words, which I think speak directly to Christmas. If you're experiencing some darkness in your life tonight, the joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross, and that is why it is invincible and irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but it finds God in the midst of it. In fact, precisely there. This isn't cheap joy or happiness I'm talking about tonight. It was paid for at a cost. It was paid for on the cross. God's joy doesn't pretend that the pain and the fear don't exist or isn't real. It says, I've got my hope in something else. I've got my hope in something far Deeper, And so you and I can experience joy not just once a year when we sing some Christmas songs, but your joy can be overflowing all year round when you live with the end in mind. If our hope is in people or things or politicians or money or material things, you will never be full. Because hear me say this, where you place your hope tonight is going to determine your joy. Where you place your hope is going to determine your joy. And you'll never find it when it's attached to circumstances. Only when it's attached to the unshakable love of Jesus Christ. The good news of Christmas for us tonight is that that light that you're going to hold in your candle a little bit later in the service, it's not just a light at the end of the tunnel when everything in your life is perfect and gets worked out. Because I've got some news for you. It's never going to be. That's why we need Christmas. Because into the darkness shines the light. And for you, whatever you're facing tonight, The light isn't just at the end of the tunnel, it's right in the middle of it. And because we have that light, it brings color to a gray and boring and dull life. The only way we can experience that is the light of Jesus. It allows us to find beauty in the middle of the mess, and it's believing that allows us to see. Another great Christian author who wasn't always a Christian author his name is Clive Staples Lewis. Maybe you know him as C.S. Well, he's a pretty good writer, and he was actually, before he became one of the greatest Christian authors of all time, and actually wrote a series called The Chronicles of Narnia, which some of you have heard of, because he allowed himself to use his childlike imagination. Lewis wasn't always a Christian. In fact, he was a very outspoken atheist. He once saw the world in gray, and he'd given way to bitterness and to cynicism. Well, in the 50s, Lewis married the love of his life, Joy Davidman, in 1956, and just four years later, think about that, four years later, she tragically dies of cancer. He's got every right in the world to say, I got gypped. What a rotten life this is. There's no room for joy. But shortly before her death, Lewis had discovered the good news of great joy, that death is not the end of the story and that there is hope beyond the grave. So towards the end of his life, Lewis penned these words. I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Because I know how the story ends, Lewis says, I can see things as they really are. I see things, I I see them through a lens of, of hope and in color. I see things brilliantly in color. Some of you may have known somebody, or maybe it's you tonight, that has ever suffered from Color blindness. Some of you, it's a little bit more mild than others, and it's probably some husbands and wives, if you're like us, you're like, is that black? Is that blue? I can't tell. Some people, seriously, really, truly have no sense of color. They see the world in gray, in black and white, and they've come out with these glasses now. I don't know if you've heard about these, but they've come out with these glasses that allow you to see the world as you were meant to see it, in bright and brilliant colors. And they've put together some montages of this where people that have been colorblind their entire life finally get to see the world as it was meant to be. And they put a bunch of these clips together and just random people experiencing color for the very first time. Can you imagine? Put yourself in their shoes. Let's take a look. You don't know what you're missing until you're given new eyes to see. of the many gifts that Jesus wants to give you this Christmas, I bet you didn't know that these were in the manger that first night, but he wants to give you a brand new set of lenses, not just to see color, you guys, to see the gospel, to see the good news of great joy. I, I'm not talking about sunglasses. I'm, I'm talking about seeing the world the way that it was meant to be seen, things as they truly are, to see the world not as something to escape from or to write off or to say, oh, your things just going downhill, but a world that God is healing and putting back together, and you get to be a part of it. Yes, it is a dark world, but the light tonight shines in the darkness and will never overcome it. I love how the Apostle Paul talks about this very idea of seeing the world in wonder and color, but with the eyes of your heart. He says this in Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read it together. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The good news tonight is not just a new pair of glasses. The good news is that God wants to give you a new heart that can see the world in a brand new way. Do you remember the three things we talked about, about not missing the heart of Christmas? It's good news, it's great joy, and it's for all people. Everybody say all people. All the power of the Christmas story is not just that Jesus came, but it's who he came to. It's who he came to. The Christmas story continues in Luke Chapter 2, we read in verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And if you want to know, in the fields nearby, well, they weren't so nearby, they were out in the middle of nowhere. Shepherds really didn't have much of a connection with society. They were literally way out there. I mean, we're talking about like western Nebraska in the middle of nowhere, folks. I just had to say that because I'm a Hawkeye fan. We're talking (laughs) about way out there, all right? Keeping watch over their flocks by night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Have you ever wondered why in the world, of all the people that God could have appeared to first, he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to put this plan together, and imagine he gathers the angels around, and they're ready for the big announcement of like, okay, Jesus, who are you going to appear to first? You know, a pastor, or a priest, or maybe the pope, or Billy Graham, or somebody, oh, they weren't around then, but somebody really, really important, right? And Jesus says, no, I'm going to pick the scum. I'm going to choose the outcasts. Those that are on the outside looking in. To understand how crazy the Christmas story is, you have to understand that shepherds weren't nice little dressed people ready in their garments to meet Jesus. They were anything but godly. If they were around in Des Moines today on December 23rd, I don't think that they would be in church. And if they were, they would get some looks. And they would smell. And they were probably homeless. A lot like about half of our crowd here last night because of a lot of the ministries that we do, and Jesus reminded me of that last night. I think if he was here in Des Moines in 2017, he might be down at the homeless shelter right now having dinner with them because those were the shepherds. The outcasts, the scum of the earth had probably been kicked out into the fields because Well, they're shepherds, and they reek, and they stink, and nobody wants to hang out with them, or maybe they got convicted of being a thief and kicked out of the city, and certainly far from God, the least likely people that the God of the universe would ever choose to announce this good news to. And yet, in verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. To you, shepherds. (laughs) To you tonight if you've ever felt like you've been on the outside looking in of this whole church thing, this whole religion thing. It's no wonder that later on, Jesus just keeps right going on going with this theme. It's like Jesus is, totally has God's heart because God showed up to the shepherds and later on in his Jesus ministry, right in the middle of it, Jesus looks at some churchy people, some religious people that are in part of the church and he says, you know guys, you shouldn't be so full of yourself because do you know why I came? I came for people that are sick. I didn't come for the people that are healthy. I came for the people that are sick and need a doctor. I didn't come for stuffy religious people that point the finger of judgment and say, well, thank. Thank God I'm not like them, whoever the them is. Oh, I don't know, like shepherds. Thank God I'm not like them. This is why I came, Jesus said, for those who think that they're missing out because they're on the outside looking in, which is why any church after Jesus' own heart should look a lot more like a hospital for sinners than a museum for saints, if you think about it, because Jesus came to the shepherds, this, the church... This church and any other church should be the most safest place in the world to be to admit that you are a mess, to admit that you've got issues, because you know you do, behind the masks that we put on and we walk into church with every week, every single one of us, we say it a lot here, so this will be a good indication of who the regulars are. We know we've got issues, we know we've got a mess, but for the rest of you, let's just humble ourselves this Christmas, look at your neighbor right now, turn to the person on your left and say, neighbor, you've got issues, tell them that right now, just remind them of that, you've got issues, there you go. Okay, some of you are just enjoying that a little bit too much, okay? Some of you are like, I came with my spouse. I've been waiting all year for this, right? Turn your neighbor on the other side and say, neighbor, you're a mess. Tell him that right now. You're a mess. You're a mess. Oh, my goodness. Some of you are like giving elbows. I'm like, did you hear that? Did you hear what the preacher said? I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it here. You're not going to find it at Lutheran Church of Hope. Bigger isn't better when it comes to churches. Smaller isn't better. Better is better. And better churches look more like Jesus, no matter what size they are, no matter what the Christmas Eve services look like. If it's in a little chapel in the country, if it's at Wells Fargo Arena, the message is still the message. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for the shepherds. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it, but if you're looking for a church that's filled with the joy of Jesus Christ, you found it. Don't overlook who Jesus came to. He came for the shepherds, which means that he came for the outcasts. He came for those of you that are here tonight that are maybe in recovery for the third time, those that are searching for love, for the hundreds of you, uh, many of the hundreds of folks that join us for that same ministry I was telling you about, our Breakfast Club ministry uh, on Sunday mornings right up there that joined us last night. Many of them, I asked one gentleman where he came from and where he was going home tonight, and he mentioned to me a certain street, which means a bridge. Jesus came for him. That's what Christmas means. He came for the exhausted single parent. He came for the middle-aged man that's on the verge of divorce. He came for the elementary-age boy that's about 10 or 11 years old that comes to our WizKids program that we do on Thursday nights here with neighborhood kids, many of them that have been displaced here because Des Moines is a hub for refugee families that have come where they've seen both parents get shot or murdered in front of their very eyes, and so they have no one. And yet he comes here, and his 14-year-old brother was tragically killed by gang violence not too far down the road from our church here about six months ago. And yet he comes every single week. Why? Because he has the joy of the Lord. And he's experiencing something deeper than the circumstances of this world. And when I'm up, I'm up. And when I'm down, I'm down. Jesus says, it doesn't have to be that way. I can fill you up with my joy tonight. And that's why he comes every single week. God's joy is available for you in the church. Let me say that again. God's joy is available for you with Christians. As imperfect as they are, come and join us. We're just one beggar showing another beggar where to get food come and join us in the hospital for sinners that have been captivated by the grace of Jesus. Jesus came for the shepherds, but he didn't just come to the shepherds. Later on in the story, we don't know exactly the timeline of it all, but he came for some wise men, for some magi. We know this. Matthew's gospel tells us that they were astrologers and they were from the east. We talked about this last week at our services in Matthew 2. We read, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east from to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. Now, from basic historical evidence, we know that the Magi were everything that the shepherds were not. Okay, if you want to know who Jesus came for, he came for everybody. And the full spectrum on one extreme is the shepherds. You know about them, right? On the other extreme, he came. For the Magi, everything would tell us they were everything the shepherds were not. Royal, dignified, educated, probably sufficiently wealthy. Life wasn't difficult for them as it was for the shepherds. It was most likely good. Life for the Magi was most likely fine. Things were fine. They didn't need to drop everything from wherever they lived in the Persian Empire and travel thousands of miles to chase down a star of a baby that might not be there. They were fine. Life was good. They had wealth. They, things were really good with them. Things were fine the way that they were. And for some of you, that's exactly where you're at tonight. Christmas is cute, John, but my life's good. I'm fine. I'm happily married, I've got a good job, we've got a couple cute kids, everything's going fine, work isn't amazing, but it pays the bills, you're confident, you're strong, you're independent, and meanwhile, along the line, you have become a very productive Christian adult who has been there and done that. And the problem with that, where some of you are at tonight, is that your joy and your wonder have got stripped along the way of you becoming a strong, independent Christian adult that doesn't need Christmas and you've lost the joy. The danger of being fine is that you think you don't need to change. Is that you think you don't need to go to the hospital for sinners along with everybody else. The danger of being fine is that you don't need to change. One of my favorite Christian authors of all time passed away several years ago is Mike Iaconelli and he writes this. (laughs) The most critical issue facing Christianity isn't simply immorality. It's living drab, colorless, stale, unimaginative lives. The greatest void in Christianity is Christians who are no longer astonished and amazed. The good news is no longer great news, it's okay news. The good news is no longer life-changing, it's just life-changing. Enhancing. If the primary message of the angels to the shepherds that night was great joy, churches should be places filled with the most joy. Wherever you go, whether it's to the ball field or to the the choir concert for your kids or to the grocery store or to the bar, by all means, it should be good news when the Christians show up. Everybody should rejoice and say, the Christians are here. Not because they're just going to go on with the ways of the world, but because they're going to bring a life and a joy and an imagination and a wonder and a beauty that everybody else is missing and lacking. And they're going to say and look at you as a Christian and say, I don't know what it is about you, but I want some of what you have. Don't miss the joy this Christmas. And I have a feeling that's not the case for some of you, and that hasn't been your experience with church. And that's why you being here tonight is a little bit out of the ordinary because you're like, I got drug here tonight, but church isn't really my thing. It's a little odd. Your experience with church, and rightly so, you shouldn't want to be here tonight because your only experience with church has been boring and dull and irrelevant. And if I was you, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with it either. But a lot of you have experienced church and you wrote off Jesus in the process, which is a shame because I believe it's a shame to bore people with the gospel. I believe it is an absolute shame. In the past year alone, I'm just thinking about some of the crazy things that we've done in the name of trying to do everything we can to get the gospel message Across, We've done our homeless ministry for a while out of Gusto Pizza, a pizza joint down the road. We threw out 2,000 hot dogs, as we labeled them hot dogs, uh, in the Beaverdale Parade. We have danced like fools in swimsuits and made complete fools out of ourselves for a couple hundred kids from VBS right where you're sitting tonight. I hit a golf ball off this stage during a sermon once. I threw a football halfway across the room in our worship center, and I hit an elderly lady upside the head, which I think she forgave me for. Last Easter, we drove a Gia uh, blue, Easter blue convertible into our worship center here to make the point that we want you to get on board with Jesus and go for a ride with him as he leaves his victory parade. It is a shame, it is a crying shame to bore people with the gospel because it is not just good news, it is the greatest news that anybody could ever hear. And we will always change the methods, but we will never change the timeless message. We are not going to bore people with the gospel because the love of Jesus Christ is way too good to keep to ourselves. Amen? Amen. It's good news of great joy. And a couple months ago, we got to experience that unpredictable, wild, great joy. We were given a sermon about baptism at the end of the sermon. I just stood up and I said, Oh, man, I don't know. This is really odd for me. But I feel like God's telling me to do something right now. And I know it's not Lutheran, but it's in the Bible. So it's probably Lutheran. And I thought, You know, we're just going to go for this. And I said, Does anybody want to get baptized? I feel like some of you maybe haven't been baptized, and I just stood up here. This is kind of awkward, because the worst thing about making an altar call like that in the Lutheran church is that nobody may come up, and I'll just be standing up here by myself, and over 30 people came up and were baptized for the first time that day, just a couple months ago. Right here, yeah, praise God for that. (laughs) It was wild. It was unpredictable. Certainly it didn't feel Lutheran, but it was awesome. Iaconelli goes on to write, and this is my prayer for you this Christmas. I'm ready for a Christianity that ruins my life, that captures my heart and makes me uncomfortable. AKA, I'm not going to sit back passively during one more church service and think it has nothing to do with me. I want to be filled with an astonishment that is so captivating that I am considered wild and unpredictable and, well, dangerous. Dangerous to what many see as a dry and boring religion. Deep inside, don't you want that too? Or do you want to just keep playing church and going through the motions? Don't let one more Christmas go by. Our world is desperate for joy, and I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is called to be at the center of that joy that shines a light into a dark world that's lost hope and has been stripped of its joy, to say, no, you really can't have joy right in the middle of the mess, of your mess. It's available for you tonight. Don't forget that Jesus came for the magi and they went to experience Jesus for themselves. They didn't have to. Those magi who could have settled for, I'm fine, life's fine, just going to survive, get the kids through school, someday, Maybe I'll find a little bit of joy. They were fine, but they didn't stay there. And they were transformed into wide-eyed worshipers. Maybe it's time for a new set of glasses for you. Maybe it's time to give church a second chance. Maybe it's time to open your eyes to Jesus. Not to walk into every church building you walk into with a critical spirit thinking that everybody's out to get you and you're going to get burned again but to be the change that you want to see with an open heart. Because after all, the story doesn't end there. (laughs) The manger is empty, the cross is empty, and the grave is empty. Don't forget that because Jesus is standing right next to you tonight. With his hand on your shoulder, he promises us in his word that he's closer to us than you could ever imagine. And he calls you to follow him tonight, not just tonight, but every single week to come back. and to, That's why we gather every single week, is because my joy bucket gets empty sometimes, and I need to hang out with all of you to get my joy filled back up and to let Jesus fill me up with his joy. That's why we worship every single week, and that's why we're called to get filled up so that we can spill that love and that joy into the world around us. One of the things our missions team has said all the time, we want to be the kind of church that if we were to disappear tomorrow, our neighborhood would weep because we were gone. They wouldn't say, oh yeah, isn't there a church on our block somewhere, they would say, the church is gone. We're desperate for hope and joy. And they were just this pillar of hope and joy right in the middle of the community. In fact, that's why this past week in our lobby where many of you are sitting right now, we didn't have a lobby because it was filled with hundreds and hundreds of Christmas presents for those same kids that I told you about earlier from our neighborhood whose parents uh, aren't around or there's a single parent and they can't afford Christmas gifts as many of you are going to get tonight or tomorrow or the next day. And we filled our lobby with Christmas gifts and brought them up to Emden's Elementary School. And you should see the look of joy in those mom's eyes to be able to give their kid a Christmas gift when they didn't think they were going to be able to put food on the table that night and let alone provide for them. You can see the joy in their eyes. Our world is desperate for joy and that's why our theme this whole next year as a church, as you heard, is on a mission from God. That's right. We're the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. And we would love for you to join us. That's why we're going to be here every single week. We're going to fill in a couple months here. We want your help. We're going to come on back and as a church, we're going to fill every food pantry in Central Iowa that goes a little bit bleak after the Christmas season and everybody gives their donations. We're going to fill it up in February. We're going to continue our year-round preschool that we have. We're going to continue Hope Kids and our student ministries and revive our young adult ministry, not to mention the dozens of groups and classes and opportunities that are available for you next week the week after in January. Why? Because the joy of Jesus is for all people and he's calling you to come back and be a part of his mission. And he's right next to you tonight. And maybe tonight could be one of those nights where you get quiet enough and you say, be still, my heart, because I want to hear that whisper calling out to me once again saying you know there's more. You know there's more to church than once a year. You know there's more than going through the motions of religion. And life might, might not be the way that you thought it would be and has worked out for you. But his joy is available for you right in the middle of it, right now. He came for the shepherds, and he came for the wise men, and he came for you. Be still and listen. He's calling out to you.